Welcome to the Remarkable Relationship Show with Mercy Russell, where we find the wonder in your story. I will be your host for the next hour. I have over 35 years of experience applying the science of relationship systems to my practice of psychotherapy and leadership consulting. My intuitive skills allow me to bring clarity and vision to your challenges. I hope you will be surprised in the next hour. Good morning. This is Mercy Russell with the Remarkable Relationship Show. Today, I will be having a conversation with my colleague and friend, Leslie Cornegay. And in this show, my goal is to bring a fresh perspective to you on all things related to how humans develop their individual brilliance while navigating the excitement, stickiness, and resistance in their relationships. So this is my second interview or just a visit with Dr. Cornegay. She and I bonded in 2008 as students in an educational policy and leadership studies doctoral program at the University of Vermont. At the time, she was the director of custodial services with a department of close to 300 employees. I came into the program with my MSW. While many of our classmates aspired to educational leadership, Leslie was already there. For those of you who are not familiar with higher education dynamics, the politics are fierce among the academic staff as well as the administration. With my interest in relationship dynamics and organizations, I found Leslie's stories fascinating and had the satisfaction of adding insight that was helpful at times. I found her stories fascinating and I quickly became Leslie's student. I was humbled by the particular challenges she faced as well as the fortitude and creativity she brought to what often felt like a snake den. Dr. Cornegay is a lifelong learner. She is a graduate of the College of Education doctoral program at the University of Vermont. She holds a Master's of Administration from Central Michigan University and a Bachelor's of Science in Business Administration with a minor in Organizational Development from the University of Mount Olive. Dr. Cornegay is an executive director with substantial in-house experience leading organizational change in a large higher education institution. Her leadership has high premium on providing exceptional support services for clientele. She focuses on aligning organizational goals with institutional strategic goals, missions, and values. She has broad experience in all aspects of financial management. Dr. Cornegay's area of expertise is in predominantly white institutions, higher education, diversity and inclusion, strategic planning, leadership and change management, women in leadership, succession planning, and mentoring. She has presented numerous presentations and workshops in her area of expertise at the local, regional, and national level. Dr. Cornegay was awarded the Susan Hazazi Alana Award for Outstanding Academic Achievement in Doctoral Education from the College of Education and Social Services at the University of Vermont. She is a member of the International Honor Society Pi Gamma Mu. Um, Dr. Cornegay has a consulting business and a nonprofit foundation 
the links to her emails for those organ for those um, enterprises, as well as her personal email, will be in the show notes, and I'll mention them at the end of our at the end of our talk. So today we're going to talk about Dr. Cornegay's leadership principles and how they reflect her life values, experiences, and aspirations. Welcome, Leslie. Thank you very much, Mercy, for that wonderful introduction. Well, that's the mirror. That's all it is, Leslie. <laughs> so... Um, we had a really lovely talk preparing for this um, interview about your leadership, of which I've been exposed to quite a bit over the years. Um, so let's just start with the, the basic leadership principles that you have followed. Um, I think one of the first things, of course, that you, I'd say, of course, because it's, you know, sort of right along with the theme of the show and my interest. Mm -hmm. is that you started talking about how leadership is about managing relationships. Can you say more about that? Exactly. And so I, the first principle that as a leader um, that I really um, fell back on was something that my mom said a long time ago. It was about how you treat people. Mm -hmm. And it was about treating people, the platinum rule, treating people the way that they want to be treated, not necessarily the way that you would like to be treated. What I added on to that is within the constraints of the workplace that I, I'm in at the time, okay? Um, and that has served me well because what I found is that you can't treat everybody the same. You know, I know that, um, you know, there's this thing called um, equality everybody wants to be treated the same. But when it comes to supervising people, it's about getting to know who you're supervising and understanding what motivates them, you know, what drives them to come to work every day. Um, you know, it, it could be um, because they really love what they do. Or it could be that I have a family to take care of and I have a newborn on the way or I'm taking care of my parents. It could be anything. And so, you know, I understood very early on, even before emotional intelligence was the big buzzword that we're dealing with humans in the workplace that bring their lives to work. There's no such thing as separating, you know, and that, you know, you really need to take time to get to know your employees. It doesn't mean that you have to get pers personal in their business, 
See what I'm saying? But um, you can show that you care. And so I've just tried to treat people the way that I would like to be treated. So one thing that you mentioned to me when we were talking mm -hmm. about that I thought was particularly, you know, I think telling in, in terms of what you're talking about is you, you pointed out that people often usually spend more time with you at work and their coworkers than they do with their families. They do, you know, and I think that that's true in most jobs that we spend more time at work uh, with our colleagues and our customers than we do with our own families and at home. And so, you know, you build these work families, you know, uh, people that support you in a number of different ways. Um, and in, if you spend any amount of time on a particular job, uh, they do become family. Yeah, and then you, I think, you know, this also, I think leads to another, so it's just a really important perspective that you have on leadership is just that often leaders are put on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. And in this intimate and kind of relationship that you have over so much of the life of the person, that then leaders are often, expected to play certain roles? Mm. So it has been just dealing with my own leadership in different roles over the years that there was not that, that intimacy, right? Mm -hmm. um, of, of, of that person really allowing you to get to know them. Um, and it really created a distance where they were almost not even like human, you know? The leader. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I never really wanted to be that kind of a leader. Um, and so I've always tried to be approachable. Um, I think what, what, uh, makes me unapproachable sometimes is my schedule because I do keep one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so you can't just walk into my office and start talking because a lot of times either I'm not there or I'm in a meeting or something like that. Um, but I will make the time mm -hmm. um, for my team members. And so um, one of the things that uh, one of my employees told me um, was, oh, I love the way you dress. You dress like us. And I said, oh, what, what? okay, what do you mean? She said, well, you don't dress really stuffy. You dress really nice, but, you know, you just, you, you're, you're just down to earth, mm -hmm. you know? And I thought, well, that's, that's very nice. That's really what I, I, I would want you to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, why wear a suit every day if you don't have to? Um, 
And so at the University of Vermont, I had um, at least one day a week where we wore, wore jeans and, and, and um, athletic shoes to work. Mm-hmm. You know, you dress down. Um, but just doing different things with employees, stopping in to see them, seeing how they're doing. Um, you know, oftentimes they think, oh, well, she's the boss. She, she doesn't really have time. You know, why is she here? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's what they had been used to. Like, well, I must have done something wrong. And it's, it's, it's not even about that, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so are there times when, um, if you've developed a kind of a relationship of accessibility and um, partnership with your employees, are there times when that's a problem, or that kind of that creates problems? Well, I will say that. Um... When you have an organization, a large organization, and you have direct reports that report to you and you're trying to um, ensure that everything gets covered all the time, mm-hmm. um, you do have a situation from time to time where people just think, oh, well, I can just you know, email her today that I wanna take vacation tomorrow. That's not necessarily how it works um, because you don't know who else has asked for vacation. And I've had situations where, you know, I've had people last minute ask me to do things and it really creates a hardship. But I go ahead and I do it that time. Right. So it's, so then sometimes... Yeah, so then the expectations sometimes um, kind of um, that, that there's always there's going to be a little more and if you don't have a really rigid boundary, right, and you have a more um, open uh, flow or a more fluid boundary, so there's still a boundary there, but sometimes it can get a little, you know, different individuals are going to get confused in different ways by it because of their own expectations. Exactly. Then in your, in your positions, you've often been brought in, you've been brought in from the outside. You've been hired from the outside, right? Not from an inside and brought in as a change agent. Mm -hmm. Um, So how does that go? (laughs) <laughs> when you're walking in. I mean, you're, you're, you're in charge of a hundred, you know, two, 300 people who've been operating a certain way with mm-hmm. their own, you know, um, let's say, uh, sort of expectations about the job, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and perhaps entitlement around the job, different okay. entitlement issues. Um, so how, how does that go when you come in as a change agent? What's that process like? Well, you know, employees are just like anyone else. Uh, most people don't like change or, you know, upsetting what they're used to doing or someone telling them that they have to make a change. Mm-hmm. And so I will say that in some places that I've been, you know, 
it went pretty well. Um, people were pretty open. I would conduct an assessment. You know, I never come in immediately and start making changes, even though I might see that change need to happen. But I would, you know, observe, do the assessment, make recommendations, and you know, try to bring employees along as I presented my findings, and then you know, explain why things needed to be done. And what I will say is, regardless of where I have been up and down the East Coast, the same characters show up. <laughs> In different institutions, right? Exactly. In different cultures. Exactly. Uh -huh. Exactly. So you just have to figure out, you know, who is who. Right. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, you have... Um, union employees in your current position, is that correct? Mm -hmm. And I don't think there was a union in, in Vermont, was yeah, there? Yeah, there was yeah, union. There was a union too. D different kind of union, but it was, it was mm -hmm. um, you know, not all unions are, are equal. It depends on the contract. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, every position that I've had outside of um, where I am now, the state that I'm in uh, has been union, mm -hmm. the unionized workforce. Um, and, you know, my philosophy there has really been, you know, the contract guides, how the employees, you know, the technical aspect, how the employees are to be governed. Um, but it doesn't guide how we, um, you know, get the work done, um, discipline employees, mm. provide them with the tools and resources that they need, and basically treat them as human beings. Mm -hmm. So they're still the organization's employees. Right. And oftentimes um, the union is brought in when that employee cannot um, get an agreement with the, the the management team about something uh-huh right yeah. right so. um so one thing you know there's that we talked around about is this idea of servant leadership of leader the leaders the servant leadership is that what it is yeah servant leadership um and um you know, I just think it's, I think it's really interesting. So when we started talking about that, you started talking about your customers. And I'm thinking, well, you're doing a service, you have a basically a service role to the university, who are your customers? Right? And you had a really interesting answer for that. I wonder if you could talk more about that. And so, how yeah. do you see your role as a servant leader? So everybody is is my customer, you know, even the employees. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, you know, there's a certain way that you have to carry yourself and you have, you need to interact with people. Um, and, you know, we have our, our common, you know, like University of Mont had 
the University of Vermont had their Our, Our Common Ground. We have something very similar. Um, and tell me again, no, could you tell our audience what that what that is, the common ground? It's just really, you know, the the guidelines that the mm -hmm. institution and then each in, uh, department buys into um, buys into that uh, they're going to how they're going to treat each other. Uh, and customers, whoever they interact with. And it's things like um, valuing people, you know, diversity and inclusion, um, trust, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And you have something similar at your current university? Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, so that, in a way, sets a tone for your relationship with your employees. Um, but you also talked about, um, how you sort of team up with your employees to serve your, the other, the other flanks of customers that you have at the university, for example, students <laughs> who make messes. Right? I was really interested to hear you talk about that and how, you know, and just your, you know, just sort of how you kind of lead and guide and support your staff in serving <laughs> yeah. you know, people at the university that um, can cause problems for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's been different at, at, at various institutions. Um, some institutions, the staff and faculty and students are a little bit more entitled than others. Mm -hmm have been. Um, I remember one in particular um, where if a student did some damage or abused a certain area that we were responsible for, that leader would contact me. They were also over the um, conduct for students. You know, they would work with the student life group. And they would come to me for the um, discipline. Like, what do you want them to do for you? Mm -hmm. Right. So you're talking uh, about the leader of the board, the kind so of the lead, the disciplinary so, board in the university. They don't call it discipline, but it's, you know, it's sort of addressing. Well, they, they call it conduct. I believe that's what they were calling it at the uh, University of Vermont. But mm -hmm. there were several yeah, different. I was on several of those boards. You know, I get yeah. pulled in for several yeah. cases, you know, as I yeah. just sit in. Yeah. Yeah. But they would contact me and, and say, you know, uh, the kids trash this room and, you know, the, the housekeepers had to go in and clean it. And, um, you know, grounds had to do this. And, you know, they they need to pay if they're going to pay a fine, but they also mm -hmm. need to clean it up, right? They got sick all over the place, and so I would basically um, let them know what that student or students could do. Um, but my philosophy around it is that we really should be teaching students how to be good citizens, mm -hmm. right? 
And that sort of behavior, yes, they're at school and yes, it's a fun time to be away from home and you know, all of that, we've all done it, okay? But we're still responsible for our actions, especially mm -hmm. if we get caught, okay? Right. <laughs> so um, that, that was my philosophy. I wouldn't make it too, too hard, but I would make sure that they knew who they were working for mm -hmm. and why. Um, we would also um, do like a um, informational class, right? Like you get to sit down and understand what we have to do, uh -huh. right? Uh -huh. For and the students. You, right, and yeah. then you go, we, you come with us and then you do it, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and that worked out well. And what I found was when we had, um, we'd always have um, summer support that we would hire for, those same students would come mm -hmm. work for us. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, interesting, um, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. they actually mm -hmm. um, liked the, the relationship and, and, you know, working with us and they understood better. But I, I just think, you know, the, the service employees are in a unique position in a university where they, are the people that the students often confide in, right? Because they're there and they're, 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 they service the areas that they live in. They mm. see them every day. Right. And then um, I would say more so on that side of the organization in terms of the residence halls than on the academic side you know, classrooms, right. libraries, but there's still relationships that are built there. I can remember um, this very prominent lady where I'm currently working. Um, she told me that the housekeepers, because she didn't have any family um, that was cheering her on when she was in school and she was in medical school. And so every time that she had to take a test, they would sit outside and wait for her, right? Mm -hmm. To finish, to cheer her on, you know? And yeah. she still works for the institution and she remembers those, those people. Those students, yeah. Yes. So, you know, it's, it's just a really unique relationship that's developed. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So, yeah. Leslie, it's time for us to take a break. Um, mm -hmm. This is Mercy Russell with the Remarkable Relationship Show. I'm here today with Dr. Leslie Cornegay, and we're talking about her experiences and brilliance as a leader. We'll be back after the break. Have something important to say? Want to help improve our world? Need to promote your business uniquely and effectively? KKNW is the answer. Our staff helps broadcasters and podcasters create professional-sounding audio. Bring your talent and let our experts help you craft a radio show or podcast that best delivers your message. Learn more at 1150kknw.com. That's 1150kknw.com. KKNW, talk variety that's live and local. Make it a great day. Keep your dial on Alternative Talk 1150. Hello, this is Mercy Russell with the Remarkable Relationship Show, and I'm here today with Dr. Leslie Cornegay, and we're talking about her experiences and her 
uh, insights and innovations as a leader. Um, so we've been talking about your staff and your serve, you know, and, and your role with your staff um, in terms of serving um, different parts of the university. Um, but I also wanted to um, sort of talk a little bit more about how you develop your staff, right, in terms of um, uh, what opportunities, how you think about opportunities and um, having them develop their own skills, the professionalization of housekeeping. Could you talk sure. about that? Sure. So the current organization that I'm in, um, we were actually the last place I was at too. So the last two places, um, there was no um, training set up for them, no formal training. Mm -hmm. Um, they were getting um, training in their individual areas. So there was no consistency around what was happening. And so um, one of the things that I did in, in both organizations um, was to um, have an administrative team. And on that team was a training uh, leader. Mm -hmm. And that trained leader was uh, tasked to develop an in-service for all staff. And so the in-service, what that looks like is every year, each employee gets at least eight hours of training on the technical aspects of their job. Monthly, they get safety training, some level of safety training that's at the um, uh, division level mm -hmm. that's identified. Um, and so they, they get quite a bit of training and then, you know, in their individual areas. One of the things, and this is uh, branching it up a little bit further, a lot of times with organizations like this, if there is training is for the frontline staff, mm -hmm. but oftentimes there's nothing internal of the organization for leadership. And so one of the things that I've done, um, and this is the second place that I've done it where I've partnered with a technical school to offer a um, and an association partnered them together to offer a um, certificate of completion it's 360 hours so it in, it 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 lasted for two years uh, for leadership and management um, and all of my leaders went through it. And once they finished, they uh, had a proctored test and then they received a certification that they really can use anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, and that certification is something that um, on our job descriptions, it's one of the qualifications that we ask for. Mm -hmm. So in our industry, it just uh, furthers 
their uh, credentials when they apply for things. Um, and that's pretty significant. Mm -hmm. And it's, a, it's in many ways, it's just a, such a bonus and a gift as for an employee to receive that. Um, but not all of your leaders were enthusiastic right, <laughs> about this because it's work, right? It's kind of requires work and they have to pass a test. And yeah, so in this industry, it's one that's grown over the years and I've been in it mm -hmm. for a long time. I can remember when you didn't even have to have a high school degree. Mm -hmm. But today you need a college degree. And the closest thing to that is going to be this certification. I got it before I, I got my first degree. Right. Um, so there's a there's entitlement in, well, I've been on this job for 10 years and I should be able to get this 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 uh, promotion. Not necessarily. Mm -hmm. right. Because you, you, you might have been in the job, but there's things that have been added to the job that you may or may not know. Right. That's more uh, technical, more, uh, you know, administrative and financial. Um, and it's broader. Well, and that, cert that certificate would al allow them to go to another institution easily oh, or and this be promoted within the, be promoted within. within we um i saw this when i worked at it um you know for an organization that uh, worked with ibm is that ibm had hired a lot of vermonters who just had high school degrees and they trained them as programmers mm -hmm. and they had mm -hmm. high level of technical skill but they didn't even have a college degree and when ibm mm -hmm. cut back their staff these people, they'd been working for 20, 25 years. They had families and mortgages. And they they if they went to a job fair in Texas to work for Intel, they didn't have the qualifications, even though they had the experience, because right. they, there was all this this certification and that had come into the field in that intervening time. So you're really doing a, you know, you're doing your employees a big favor by holding those standards high for them. Well, I'm holding it half of them because I know what it was like for me. Right. And like I said, I I didn't get the first degree until I was, you know, in my 30s, late mm -hmm. 30s. And I had every certification that you needed. But I realized that I could not go any further if I did not get a degree, especially in, 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 in a higher uh, it is right, right, right. Everybody right. has a degree. Yeah. So um it's buying into the it's buying <laughs> into the business, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you know, um, so I don't feel bad about making it mandatory mm -hmm. uh at all. And I will say that the last place that I was at, everybody passed the proctor test and became certified mm. okay and these some of these folks could english was not their first language right okay so the people that i currently have you know really have no excuse uh-huh 
Yes. So let's move on um, mm -hmm. to talking a bit more about how you function as a leader within the larger organization. And one thing you, um, you, you talked to me about that I was new to me was the concept of building confidence circles. Can you just yeah. talk a little bit about that? So that concept grew out of, you know, when I was doing my doctoral work and I was, it was on, on, on my leadership journey. Um, it's one of the things that came out of it, right? That I realized that I had been doing all along. And that was finding people, I've always been the first, right? Mm -hmm. The first person of color to do this or to do that, uh, or the only female to do this or to do that. And so I never had role models, right? I never had mentors. And I got there uh, purely by my own wits so to speak. And, um, but I, I, I understood um, as I began to grow and I went to different institutions that I really needed people that were gonna advocate for me, that were going to support the initiatives that I wanted to move forward. Um, they didn't necessarily need to be like me, right? Mm -hmm. They didn't have to be black, they didn't have to be females, um, and they didn't even have to be in the profession that I was in. But they did have to have my best interest at heart, and they needed to be in a leadership role season. And so I actually went out to seek these people. And um, you know, I, I've just learned over the years that until you, I mean, I would cold, do cold uh, contacts, right? Mm -hmm. um, make appointments and, uh, you know, I know people are like, why does she want to see me, right? I don't know her. Mm -hmm. And by the time I left them, that one meeting, we had a relationship. And from there, we would do lunch, we would do that, that sort of thing. But every institution that I went to, I understood that that's what I needed to do. Mm -hmm. um, and so tell, and, tell us what happened in those meetings, right? It sounds, I mean, there, there are going to be a lot of people going to say, well, what did she do? What did she talk about? How did she approach someone who, you know, out, it was well, a whole Oh, it was yeah, a call. yeah. So I would do my research to start with. Mm -hmm. You know, I would find out as much about the person as I could. I'd make sure that they were a good fit for me, mm -hmm. right? Um, because I was also looking at my next career move. You know, what what I aspired to do next, and so um, I would do the research first. And when I made those appointments, I'll give you one person in particular who was a hard person to approach and, you know, get, get an appointment and then go in and talk to. 
And she told me, she's like, why does she want this? You know, because this was like a senior person, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I even went to see the president. Okay. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but I had I had to do uh there there were times when uh certain projects required presidential level, especially at the University of Vermont. And my position was I was the leader of that group so they looked to me to make the recommendations Mm -hmm. they didn't put somebody in between me to make recommendations Mm -hmm. like I've had some places right um so she basically you know um we just found out that we had a lot in common Mm -hmm. you know I just I once I I didn't say I I research you and I know about this and I know about that but I would you know proposition the questions and make statements to where it would just keep the conversation going going. and and before you know it it was like dad we're out of time we need to schedule another appointment right right Right. so you'd also you talk about things that weren't always directly related to work that personal relationship exactly yeah Mm -hmm. yeah what other what did you have in common in terms of your life experience your history or whatever, you know, yeah. school yeah. where you lived, you know, to find some point of commonality or contact. Yeah. And yeah. if you go in and you're authentic and you, um, people know that you're not, which I, it's not me anyway, I don't put on or anything, but you know, you let them know that you genuinely, genuinely want to know them. And, um, it, most of the time, I didn't have to ask people for things. Mm-hmm. They would ask me, well, you know, I, I know about such and such. How, how do you need my support? See what I'm saying? Yeah, they'd offer. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I don't see how you can go into any environment as a leader and, and act independently and be successful mm-hmm. unless you are a tyrant. Uh huh. Look, look, you look, our king. <laughs> yeah, but you then but, you still uh, got to have to have some followers. Queen. You have to have yeah. some followers. You know, you <laughs> have to have your you have to have your mob behind you, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. and then the other thing is, it's just the way that you approach people, mm-hmm. right? And I that's something that you know, um, having li- you know been a military child and have moved all over the world. Uh, I learned and moved a lot, very quickly, how to make friends, how to leave people and leave them as friends and not say goodbye and how to make new friends. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I took that same earlier um, experiences and in my formative years, and apply that uh, when I started my journey north in terms of the different right. institutions that I was at. Right, and going into a different part of the country. Yeah. So Leslie, our, you know, we, our time is getting short. We have about 10 minutes. And uh, <laughs> of all the things we could talk about, I, uh-huh. I really want to 
one of the questions that I, you know, that we talked about was I asked you about what advice you would give for women, for rising leaders, right? And you had some particular advice for women of color who would be rising leaders, but I, I just, I think your advice is um, strong enough for everybody. And, and, but, you know, there are particularities for different groups. But also, I want you to include in that, because I don't want to skip over it too much, the value of data. And because we've been talking about a lot of the soft side of leadership, mm -hmm. one thing that you have been, I think, particularly strong in, mm -hmm. in your uh, comprehension of and your use of the, of, the, of the numbers and the data in terms mm -hmm. of advocating for certain initiatives. Mm -hmm. So I want you to wrap that into your advice for <laughs> rising leaders. Well, this may not be true in all institutions, but I know in higher ed, there's a value in, while you may know what to do in most cases, if you can validate that through what other organizations are doing or through a consultant group, then that takes or carries a lot more credibility, okay? So just going in saying, well, Leslie thinks these 10 things need to happen right away, okay? That doesn't necessarily make it happen in every institution <laughs> because you have these different, different uh, factors, different groups that are at, you know, they're, at, they're, they're against, anything that you're trying to do. And so you really have to, you know, be strategic in how you go about doing that, mm -hmm. you know, um, supporting why, they, why things need to be done the way that they need to be done. And, um, you know, I've used um, several consult consultant firms um, within my funding. I've always saved dollars. Every institution that I've been at, I've saved over a million dollars, sometimes two, sometimes three uh, million dollars, um, just with the changes that were made. Mm -hmm. So, you know, paying for consulting fees to support um, initiatives to groups, you know, on campus that are going to fight what you're trying to do, um, to kind of dispel that uh, makes a big difference, goes mm -hmm. a long way. Right. So, um, right. And I think you, you, one example you mentioned was the diversity and inclusion survey that your um, institution had distributed and that you had um, approached in a very different way than other leaders. And what was interesting when we talked about it was that this initiative came from the top, right? Right. It usually does. Mm -hmm. um, you know, UVM did the same thing. I mean, most institutions at some point had do the D and I uh, work, and a lot of times it depends on the upper senior leadership. Um, it just so happens that. Um, at this, at this organization, they've only been there a couple of years. And so they're fairly new. And, uh, you know, 
it had never been done before. You mm-hmm. because you've had someone in a position for years, right? Um, and it was the same thing at the University of Vermont, if you remember. Um, you know, we had somebody that was in there for years, and then they leave, and it's like, okay, well, why aren't we doing this? We're we're on the surface saying we want to bring, you know. Uh, more students of color to Vermont. Well, what are we doing to make that happen? What kind of work are we doing? Mm-hmm. Well, same with the faculty too. Yeah, the, you know, there was just you know the um, yeah. There was always a how do we recruit? But you can't even recruit faculty unless they've been created from students, right? Exactly. <laughs> Bring those different voices. It? Right. How do you to bring those different voices to the yeah. to the um yeah to the arena or the community? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and then how do you how do you keep them here? You know, because you can get them to come, but how do you keep them? How do you keep them? That's the big, yeah. big question. The support on all levels, yeah. you know, from yeah. financial to personal. Mm-hmm. Um, so on to the question of advice for rising leaders mm-hmm. and women of color. You know, Mercy. The only thing I can do is go by you know, what Leslie would do. Mm -hmm. And um, Leslie has never been afraid to back down. Okay, if I saw something or I felt something, I would call it out. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it changed anything. So that's the first thing that women of color need to understand is they have to have a, a thick skin. You got to be the change. You can't go in and say, why, why, why is this like this? Why hasn't this changed? You got to make the change, even if it's one individual at a time. And that one individual may be your supervisor. Mm-hmm. Okay. But oftentimes, by being the first person of color or the first woman, then you know you're the first person like you that they've supervised or that they work with. Right. So it's up to you to make that make that um, make it look the way that you want it to look. You know, because it the um, it's not like waving a wand a wand and you know open sesame. Right. You know. So. Yeah, it's, it's- yeah, it's you're talking about really educating your yeah. your uh, you know the people that you're accountable to that you report to about what what particular um, needs you have and perspective you have that's different than you know what their perspective would be or what they're used to. But to well, it's, that, and it's, it's like you know uh, I've it's it. it you hear two different sides to this. Why do I have to educate you? Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. And I don't disagree with that. Um, but I know where I come from and it was segregated into integration. And there was a lot of that. Okay. So, um, that's treating, having people treat you the way that you want to be treated, educating them on that. Right, letting them know. 
Right. So I don't feel less than if I have to educate somebody, but I do get tired of it having to do it all the time. Mm -hmm. there's, there's a difference there. And the same can be said for women in the workplace just dealing with men. Sure. Okay. It's still a very patriarchal, what is it? Patriarchal. Patriarchal, right. Yeah. Um, workforce, right? Because there was some data I saw where uh, the, the norm for uh, a CEO, CEO or a college uh, senior leader or just any senior leader in any profession is a white male between the ages of 60 and 80 years old. Wow, that's yeah. crazy. That, right, that dynamic is, is probably gonna change, you know? But that's the way that it has been and that's the way that it still is today. So you still have a lot of situations, like I told you earlier, where Black women are still the first at something. And I'm mm -hmm. so surprised to see that in 2022. First Black woman of this, the first Black woman of that. You know, when we get to the day where you don't have to say that, I think that dream that, that's been talked about so much would have been realized. Uh -huh. Yeah. So our time is just about up. Um, and yeah, so I think it is. And I, um, we have about a minute or two left. Um, Leslie, how can people get in touch with you? You have so much to offer. You, um, you know, you're in the process of, you know, I think writing a book, I heard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, that's and true. You, and you run a foundation mm -hmm. and you're a consultant. So can you just have uh, tell the audience how people can get sure. in touch with you? So if it's for any type of consulting work, it's um, consulting at gmail. Uh, if it's just to connect with me, something that I've said, something you want to know more about, then it's my first name, last name at Gmail. Mm -hmm. uh, my foundation, we really didn't have time to talk about that, but it's really about meeting, dealing with people on a whole, holistic level, um, meeting them where they're at and, and bridging them to be successful. And then, you know, sending them off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah mentoring uh, yeah exactly whole uh, life mentoring right great yeah um leslie thank you so much for joining us today and i expect we'll be talking again in the not <laughs> distant future there's always so much to talk about um this is mercy russell with the remarkable relationship show i'm here with dr leslie cornegay who's a leader uh in uh and working in the higher education field and um, thank you for joining us today. And thank you, Leslie, again. Thank you for having me, Mercy. Yeah, yeah my pleasure. <laughs>